a sermon. Jesus, you love him or hate him? Every human in the world, their high calling in life is to worship the Lord God. That's the very best thing for everyone listening here and at home. There's nothing higher or better than you can worship than the living God. Everything clicks into place when you worship the living God. That doesn't mean you have a smooth ride. It can often get worse, life. But there's just this clicking into place, and you know you're safe with our Heavenly Father. But what God do you worship? Everybody worships something. Rugby, although not many people will be worshiping. Oh, I better leave that one there, shouldn't I? God, but Jesus, he's a feather ruffler. And he wants us to worship the God of the Bible. And he says, we actually miss out God entirely unless we worship the God that he spells out in the Bible. So in John chapter 15, he continues to ruffle feathers. Every morning I read the Bible and it often shocks me who the living God is. Because my tendency is to make... Is that me again? I'll take this off. I'm looking to Neil for help and guidance. Right, if I stay very still. Because my tendency is, I like to shape God to my view of what God would be. Every morning the Word of God resets that. And the Word of God says... It's really good for us when we get the God of the Bible, not the God of what we think he should be like. So, here's a summary of this part of Jesus' sermon in John chapter 15. Jesus, you'll either love him or hate him. And also, that determines God. You'll either love him or hate him. Because Jesus says your view of the Lord Jesus Christ determines your view of God, and that affects your worship, and that's a big feather ruffler, especially in 2023. Jesus, you've got to love him. You've got to love him, and you get to love him. Humans gathered here this morning, no matter what you've done in life, no matter where you've been last week, No matter what you thought this morning, you are loved by God, and you can love Him in a life-changing way forever, and be forgiven forever, and be called the sons and daughters of God, and brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Himself now forever, and you get to love Him because He loves you. Jesus, you've got to love Him. And here's something wonderful about the living God. Here's verse 12. My command is this. Love one another, ready, as I have loved you, says the Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples. And here's verse 14. You are my friends. If you do what I command, the living God calls people friends. Have you got a friend? This one's better than that one that you thought of. 
In the Bible, Isaiah has a vision of Jesus. That's what John chapter 6 says. He's looking straight at Jesus, sitting on a throne, and all the angels are around Jesus going, Holy, holy, holy. And this Jesus is some of your friends today. And mine. The Bible says that Jesus made everything. Everything good is from him. And yet he's also my friend. Let me tell you something interesting that Jesus made. He's the cosmic Lord of creation. Did you know this? A cloud can weigh around a million pounds. Did you know that? Isn't that amazing? Jesus, if you don't do pounds, I converted it. That's 453,000 kilograms a cloud can weigh. That's impressive, isn't it? If you don't do kilograms, I did stone. 71,000 stone a cloud can weigh. Isn't that impressive? Jesus invented clouds. I got another one, because you obviously weren't impressed with that one. Did you know that rats can laugh when you tickle them? That's good, isn't it? Because Jesus came up with that one. Unless rats are like a result of the fall, and that's a different sermon. Won't get into rats now. But if you tickle them, they laugh. That's good. Here's another one. Hot water freezes faster than cold water. Isn't that interesting? Do you know why? Because God is interesting and he does interesting things. And here's a really interesting one. Did you know that it's impossible to burp in space? Did you know that? Isn't that interesting? Because the Lord is interesting and he's invented interesting things. And yet, that same holy, holy Lord um, in John chapter 15 is now on earth as a man and he calls people his friends. He's my friend and we often don't think about that enough. Perhaps that's why we don't worship as we should. And he said, if anybody now, today in Park End, does my commands, they're also my friend. And now some of you are thinking, well, that's not a great friend if we only do what he commands. Were you thinking that? The answer to that is, he is a great friend if what he commands you leads to the best for you. And the Bible says that's true of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's evidence of his loving friendship that he tells us what to do because it's for our best. This week I said to my two sons, do not spend £2.35 on a bottle of Prime. Do you know what Prime is? It's a rip-off drink that all the young people are buying because YouTubers are telling them to buy it. But it's £2.35. Don't do it. I'm your friend. Do what I command because I love you. It's ridiculous and extortionate. It's £2.35 for orange juice. They bought two of them. That's a different sermon again. But my point is, I want the best for you. I'm your friend. Save it. Today we worship the Lord God. Maybe for the first time it will dawn on us this truth. Nobody has ever followed the commands of Jesus and been worse off. That's how wonderful he is. Nobody. Not in our relationships if we do what he says. We're better off. When we're told to let hatred go, we're better off. Not regarding who I sleep with. Always better off when you follow the way of Jesus. How do I spend my money? Always better off when we follow the commands of Jesus. 
Where should I live next in life? Always better off when we ask for help from Jesus. How do I talk and what use, word should I use? There's loads of that in the word of the Lord God. And nobody's ever worse off when we do what he says. Even Christians being killed in, on planet earth today are better off because they've got him as their friend and they will say that. I'm better off even though I'm about to die because he's with me. That's the level of friendship that the Lord can offer people. And people prove that across the, route, the world every single day. All he's done for me and taught me. He is a friend like no other. He sticks closer than a brother. Even if I die for him, that's better than if he weren't my friend and I lived forever. You can test him in that today and call out, Lord, be, be my friend. I need you in my life. And verse 15 is more evidence of his friendship. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I now call you friends because everything that I've learned from God my Father, I have now made known to you. Some of you, it's like scales fell off your eyes when you became a Christian. And now you just, you can't often explain it, but you just know truths that you didn't know before. And you're being taught things from God that you didn't know when you weren't a Christian. Like, why am I here? Where am I going? Why is this sin? What's the answer? All the big questions in life. The Lord Jesus teaches his friends the answers and he gives them peace. Because he's their friend. And as the Father teaches him, he passes it on in the power of the Spirit. You've got to love Jesus. Got to love Jesus, some of you were never picked for netball or football in school. You were either last or you weren't picked before. Some of you would be never picked for your job promotion. Well, listen to this one. You've got to love Jesus. Here's verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I have appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. Forget the football team that left you out. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I've picked you. I'm your friend. Trust me. I didn't pick you because you're good. You don't deserve it. I picked you because I love you. And I want you. And you're invisible often in this world. You know it and I know it. But you're not invisible with me. Because I'm your friend. And I've been sent by the Father to gather you up and to show you the way. And what a comfort to the disciples who are about to take church global to know that they've been picked by Jesus. And he's with them every step of the way for whatever job they have lined up. He is with them. They've been handpicked to do it. Their best friend is with them. And today and tomorrow, the best friend is with the Christians in this room as well. And if you're not a Christian, that's what you're missing out on. The Lord God walks with us every step of the way. And if there are Christians in the room today that feel distant, guess what? It's us that's moved from him. He hasn't moved from us. It's us moving. And today he says, come back. You've forgotten. I'm your friend and my commandments are for your good. You can all bear fruit. You can all help people know the answers to life and death and purpose. And guess what? You've been picked to be you to do it in your way. And I can't do it. And I've been picked to be me and to do it my way. 
because I've been picked to do it. And I can't do your Monday job. You can't do my Monday job, whatever that is. But we all know this. We've got the living God with us. He'll never forsake us. So you can't face Monday morning. Jesus, you've got to love him. Unless you don't. Part two. Jesus. You've got to hate him. Some people do. Which one do you do? You can also hate him. Here's what this week looks like for some of you. Some people will leave this building and go into an environment or go back home or go back to work and instead of a warm embrace for being in church and following the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll hear from the loved ones in your life, oh, shut up. Don't talk to me about that. Or, oh, bless you. What did you learn in church today? Oh, that's lovely, but the football's on. I'll hear about it later. Or, you don't believe that, do you? You can't work here if you do. Or, how can you believe that if you're supposed to be tolerant? You intolerant, unloving pig! Be like me! I'm loving! You intolerant rat! Other places in the world, some people will leave church and they'll be met with a gunshot. Other people will leave church and they'll talk about Jesus and they'll hear swords being unsheathed. Because Jesus, you've got to hate him. It's one or the other. Here's some historical facts that happened after John chapter 15. Jesus went on to be rejected by the world that he created and that he came to save. His disciples went on to be Rejected by the world because they talked about the resurrection and the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that people need to make him Lord and that they can't be Lord anymore. It's one or the other. What they found is that the world is xenophobic. It hates Jesus and his disciples because they are from another place. They're from another world. They're heading to another place. They have different standards and principles and a different saving message of direction and hope and peace. And, and what you see in the life of Jesus is the more brightly he shone, the more people hated him, hated him. And this is why he says 18 to 20, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out from the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will persecute you. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. But so many don't. Because Jesus, you've got to love him or hate him. And it's the same today. If you win an Oscar, I hope you do, that would be nice for you. And you go up to the Oscar speech platform and you say, I want to thank God. Everybody goes, yeah, God, love it. Everybody loves God. Like that vague, harmless grandpa in the sky that helps you win Oscars. You mention Jesus, you probably won't get a job in Hollywood anymore. You mention that you love the word of God, which is Jesus and his words recorded in all of the scriptures and the word of 
God in the Bible, you'll be ignored, overlooked, laughed at, not even considered, or if you live in Pakistan, blown up in a park, even as children. Why? Because it's not just they believe in God, it's that they believe in God who is earthed and focused and personal and wonderful and offensive and glorious but awkward. And in verse 24 and 25, I won't read it. You can read it again later. He says, I've even done miracles for these people, but they still reject me. Because you know that person that you know in life that says, if God showed up in my bedroom and wrote my name with a magic pen and a floating hand, I would then believe it. If he rearranged the clouds and put my name and I love you up there, I would definitely believe it. Jesus says in verse 24 and 25, no, they won't. Because he's already done things like that. And people killed him anyway, in spite of the miracles he did. Because there's just something about Jesus that people hate. Jesus, we either love him or hate him. And here's the most feather-ruffling thing in the sermon this morning. And this is what I said at the start. Our view of the Lord Jesus Christ determines our view of God himself. Now here's the most intolerant passage of Scripture for 2023, possibly in the Bible. It's verse 23, it's verse 21. Here's verse 21. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. They don't know me, so they don't know God. And here's verse 23. He who hates me hates my Father also. And you can jolly well bet at that point people were there planning his death. How dare he say that? So let's get that straight. Here's Gertrude. She loves God, but she denies Jesus. Denies his resurrection, which is what the Bible says is the proof that he was the divine son of God. She loves God, but she cannot stand the thought that he would hang on a cross for her sins. That's gruesome. That's bloody. And my sins aren't that bad. That's disgusting. But I love God. Jesus says, you haven't got the real God. You haven't. You've missed him. Because you're not coming through me. And what I say about him. You don't actually love the real God. You reject him. You're spiritually lost. Because I'm not tolerant. But I am loving. And if you've ever loved anyone deeply, you'll know the difference between tolerating everything they do, which can be very bad for them, and true love. And here's my final question. Here's the last bit of today's message. We don't want anybody lost. I don't want you to be lost. And I was lost until I was 19. Right now I've been saved. And we want that for everyone that we meet. Because we're not here to condemn people. And this isn't written to condemn. This is written that people can have life. That everybody in the room can have life. And so how do we turn this situation around from people who say, I reject Jesus to, I need and want Jesus. What can we do? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's your family. Well, here's verse 17. It's remarkably simple, and we're absolutely useless at it. This is my command. 
love each other. He says in John chapter 13, 35, by this the whole world will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. And in John chapter 17, verse 23, it says, um, Father, the whole world will know that you sent me when my people are united together and they love one another. How do we get people to see the wonder of God and to say, Jesus, I don't hate him, I love him. And I've seen how wonderful he is. How do you go from one to the other and from seeing that the crucifixion isn't gruesome, but it's wonderful and it changes people's lives for good. How do people get there? Jesus says, when my people love each other. That's it. When my people love each other, Jesus gets to work in communities. And people believe that he's been sent by the Father because they see the change in me and you. So ladies and gentlemen, ain't no way we will make an impact in this world of ours if we invite people to church on a Sunday and what people find is no love, no tangible forgiveness, grudge-bearing, people pushing themselves in front of others and wanting their way. People and Jesus say, no chance. No chance. You can go and argue about which God is right and fall out with all your friends till the cows come home and have these big debates everywhere. It counts for noodly nothing if my people don't love each other in Park End Church and wherever you're from this morning. Love. Help each other be holy and to know the Lord more and confess our sins to one another and serve each other and be there for each other. This is what Jesus says is the divine answer to help the world know that he is wonderful. Church isn't turn up and then leave. Church is life in Christ together all week. Now listen to this quote. Do you want people to go to church? Invite them. Do you want them to stay? Invite them into your life. I'll say that again. Do you want people to go to church? Invite them. You want them to stay, invite them into your life. Because by your life, you will show who Jesus is to you. Here's a paragraph that someone wrote about why church really made an impact on their lives, which led them to become a Christian. The small community of friends I had in church was there for me. And then I was there for them. My belonging, dwelling, and living were rooted in the rhythms with them. Going to parks after church, getting food after a Wednesday night prayer service, impromptu visit to people's homes, they all show a way of life structured around the love and saving power of God. I treasured the organic, sometimes unstructured, shared times between Sundays the text in the middle of the day to ask how I was doing. It reinforced my commitment to church and that people really believed in a God that served them. These were my people. We do life together. They said to me, we know the world is going crazy, but we are here for you. And if you let us, we will pour our lives into you. So Park End. There's not going to be anybody in this room 
after this service, sitting on their own, wondering, why isn't anybody speaking to me? Is there? Because you haven't been left alone by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he always wants to know how you are doing. And so I'll close with a quote from Francis Schaeffer. And really, if there's anything we can do for you, let us know. There'll be a prayer box at the back of the room before long, and we'll be praying for you if nothing else. Here's Francis Schaeffer. Don't start with a big program. Don't suddenly think you can add to your church budget and begin. Start personally and start in your home. I dare you, I dare you in the name of Jesus Christ, do what I am going to suggest. Begin by opening your life for the community around you. Because by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus, love him or hate him, and it shows in our lives. In the name of the Father, and in the, of the Son, and in the name of the wonderful Holy Spirit. Amen.